Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Roofer Report, brought to you by Roofer.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Roofer Report. I'm Pete McKendrick, your host. And uh, today we have a great topic. We're going to talk about the the myths and the facts of the insurance industry. Uh, a great guest with us today to, to cover this topic, uh, Dan Tai. A very interesting angle, I think, on it. You know, so many times we're talking to, you know, insurance companies or, or roofers that are doing insurance work. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a chance here, Dan, to, to introduce yourself and what you guys do and, and give us a little bit of background of how you got to where you are today. And, uh, you know, and then we'll dive into some of the topics here about, you know, insurance work and, and what these contractors need to look out for and, and, and how you're working with homeowners today. So, yeah, terrific. It'll be a fun conversation. Uh, yeah. So I've been doing uh, insurance dispute litigation here in the state of Florida and also in New York for the better part of 10 years, uh, thousands of claims, hundreds of millions recovered. So um, definitely hoping, hoping to provide some value to, uh, to people operating specifically in this market. And then hopefully, you know, some education of people, uh, who are joining us in other markets, not Florida, New York, and just very quickly to that point, um, you know, we're going to have a nice entertaining discussion. Obviously I can't give specific legal advice, uh, to people without knowing fact patterns, et cetera, et cetera. So this is just going to be a nice educational conversation today. I kind of have to put my lawyerly disclosure out there. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, certainly looking forward to it. Yeah. So let's dive in a little bit and just talk about where you guys come into play in the process, right? I think that's a great place to start. You know, I think so many times we have a, a lot of people that see the insurance market. They're like, hey, there's an opportunity here to make some good money. Let me get into insurance roofing. Let me start to tackle some of these storm jobs. You know, and at what point does a company like yours really become necessary or really come into play for these contractors? Sure. That is a great starting point. So the first thing to realize is that this laws are different in every state. And, uh, you know, so if you're in roofing contracting or general contract, any restoration business, you're probably going to want to seek out someone sooner, hopefully before you need them, someone to create that relationship and understand what the laws are, what the rules are that regulate you know, how you work with homeowners, how you work with insurance companies. That's the first thing I would advise uh, clearly is to make sure that you're not uh, running afoul of any laws or licensing rules or whatever it may be. Um, but I absolutely love that as a starting point, Pete. So generally speaking uh, and traditionally, you don't need a lawyer until you're in an insurance dispute. A lot of times you can handle these uh, even dis somewhat disputed claims. You can handle them amicably. And in most markets in the country, you're allowed to deal with the insurance company, whether it's in a negotiating uh, style interaction in certain states that's outlawed and that's against the law. It's actually a felony here in Florida. Uh, but in other states, my understanding is that you are allowed to uh, advocate on behalf of yourself or on behalf of your client, the homeowner or property owner. Uh, so in that sort of market, traditionally, you wouldn't need to hire a lawyer or any adjuster, really anybody, uh, until you've exhausted your amicable remedies. So until you've uh, talked about rectifying uh, disparate scopes, until you've talked about uh, you know, what the requirements are to put a property in pre-loss conditions. So that's the traditional way. Um, speaking specifically to the Florida market following Hurricane Irma is really when we saw the shift. 
where it went from uh, insurance companies dealing amicably with contractors uh, to them really putting their foot down and saying, hey, we're not even talking to any contractors. When that market shift happened, especially in the higher dollar value claims, when that market shift happened, uh, we would see contractors, you know, advise their homeowners to get lawyers like us in a lot earlier in the process. And of course, my, you know, uh, quick pitch to that is it's we're going to charge you the same either way. Might as well bring us in early. <laughs> yeah. So I guess speak a little bit to, you know, I think that one one of the businesses that's really kind of exploded in on the insurance side of roofing is the supplementing companies, right? You have these companies that are like, hey, you just guys just go out, quote it, give it to us. We'll deal with all the negotiation part of it. We'll get you as much as we possibly can. Yeah. So where does that distinction come between, hey, I'm using a supplement company and hey, I need someone like yourself? Yeah. I mean, it would go to really what services are being provided. And, you know, the worst part about interviewing a lawyer is the answer to every question is it depends. Uh, that's a tale as old as time. And I don't, I don't mean to give you those type of answers. However, this is really going to be a state by state issue in some states. Uh, again, my understanding, I don't practice there is that it's perfectly legal for you to hire a third party supplementing company for them to draw up estimates for them to actually negotiate insurance claims, uh, perfectly legal. Here in Florida, that is a felony for anyone who's not holding a public adjuster or a, uh, a you know, uh, attorney in the state to assist in any way on an insurance claim, which is a way broad definition, which, you know, can be scary. I want to make it clear that I don't support that. I don't think that that's reasonable. And I think it would uh, make more sense for the homeowners, for contractors to have more clarity on what they are allowed to do and are not allowed to do. But of course, as a lawyer, I do, you know, we deal with the laws the way that we encounter them. Uh, and I'm always certainly supporting contract, good contractors and homeowners to, you know, not run into these walls where they have to hire a lawyer for an everyday, uh, you know, insurance claim. It should not all be disputed. Um, so back to the supplementing companies, you know, if you're hiring someone, for example, to write up a scope, maybe with Xactimate or, you know, helping you with something like that here in Florida, that would be perfectly legal. You can provide an estimate any way you want. You could have someone come out. Uh, even meeting with an adjuster at the request of a homeowner, as long as you're not, um, you know, walking past certain boundaries in your communications should be perfectly acceptable. Uh, but the law is very clear here in Florida. And I know this is not a Florida specific discussion, so I don't want to hit you with the it depends. Uh, however, I do know, uh, you know, here in Florida, uh, that would not be a legal approach, Um you know, to hire a supplementing company and have them negotiate an insurance claim, you know, that would be a role of maybe a public adjuster or an attorney, of course. Yeah, that's great insight because I think like those companies have really kind of staked a claim in the insurance industry. They're very common now. Uh, a lot of folks, I think, are using them, especially smaller contractors, which is, you know, at Roofer, we deal with a lot of smaller contractors. And I think that, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, the guys that are most likely going to use a supplementing company because they don't have the ability to do it in-house. So, I mean, that's great insight uh, of the differences and the, and the use of that company. So, you know, and I think it's, you know, not that it's a Florida specific conversation, but I think it is good to focus on Florida because what you and I talked about at the beginning of this is, you know, Florida has probably the most stringent rules, right? And if uh, my guy always sell contractors, if you can do it in Florida, you can do it anywhere, right? Like if you can make it work in Florida, you can make it work pretty much in any of the other states, right? So um, 
you know, so I think it is, and I think it is great insight to kind of go off of Florida and, and what is happening there. And, sure. you know, because eventually it could end up being similar, you know, in the other States if, if they follow suit. Yeah. Pete, we have seen that, you know, um, laws or rules will develop in, in one jurisdiction. And then as the insurance companies and their powerful lobbyists find out that they're <laughs> uh, advantageous to their positions, they'll actually move those over to other jurisdictions. So, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to let you kind of drive the conversation. I'm going to provide whatever I can, Florida wise, Florida wise, and then people can apply that differently. But to that point as well, you know, what you said about Roofer, who I love, I have a, a long history with the team at Roofer. I mean, great guys and, and just always, you know, Roofer first, right? Contractor client first. So I just love that approach. So, you know, my hat's off to Richie, Nick, and the whole team, Kevin, the team over there, of course, and, uh, you who I'm having the opportunity to spend some time with. Uh, but Roofer is geared maybe towards that, you know, independent, smaller roofing company. And my first and off the bat uh, advice to that smaller company is if you want to get involved in insurance restoration work, um, it's a terrific market. You've got people who need your help, and that's true nationwide, uh, not even storm chasing, but, you know, just in your local markets, you're going to come across uh, people who do need your help. Uh, what I would first advise those people to do is find someone who is local in their jurisdiction, find a lawyer if you can, and just ask them for a conversation. Hey, can you walk me through what my rules are here? Find that box you need to play in and then build out your processes and your systems within that safe box. Yeah, that's great advice. I, you know, and I think that so many times in this industry, we look at insurance roofers as being these huge companies, right? They're, they're covered, they're chasing storms, they're all over the place, tons of people. And, and it's not impossible to be the little guy and be an insurance contractor. Like you said, start locally. A lot of the, a lot of these places, you know, you've got storms happening in your own backyard. You don't have to go to Colorado or Texas yeah. to find a storm, you know, especially where you guys are at, you know, hurricane season comes around and there could be work for years based off of that. You know, I, I went to uh, IRE earlier this year, you know, and flying in the amount of blue tarps on roofs was mind blowing to me. I mean, how many uh, residences were still, you know, waiting probably on insurance claims to be filed or, you know, something like this to take place to get them to where they could actually get that roof replaced. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's good advice is uh, I call, you know, diamonds at your feet. There's actually an old uh, book or parable about that. You can go across the world looking for diamonds or you can just look down and get to work and find the diamonds at your feet. Uh, that's always my advice to people in any line of business is, you know, uh, bloom where you're planted. You know, if you want to get in restoration work, uh, you know, network with insurance agents. The, there are people, even if you don't help in that claims process, even if you're just getting started and you're just learning, they need, you know, at the end, they're going to get some amount of money from that insurance company, you know, and just kind of get your foot in the door and kind of, you know, start learning a little bit. Uh, but, you know, for me, I always tell people invest in the learning first, make sure you're doing it right. Uh, you know, you're doing a real disservice to people just jumping in and saying, you know, strapping insurance on a magnet and throwing it on your truck. You might be, you know, creating liability for yourself. You might be biting off more than you can chew, uh, you know, is, is figure it out. Uh, you know, you're not going to learn everything prior, but make sure that you understand, again, the box you're allowed to play in and think of some smart systems and some ways that you can help. And that may involve, especially when you're getting started, outsourcing Certainly the claims process, that's going to be some of the more complex part 
of running restoration. Of course, the roofing part, if you're a roofer, you should have that down pretty good. <laughs> um, so the claims part is going to be the more difficult part. And the marketing part and that sort of stuff is, you know, you can outsource that until you're comfortable that you can bring that in-house or that you can really do that in an educated, smart way and design your systems and processes for that. But in the meantime, you know, if you're in one of the states where it's legal uh, to use a supplementing company, that would be a great way to kind of get out there. Uh, and I do know some great guys who run supplementing companies and, uh, you know, we don't happen to use them. It's just, you know, a different line of work. We don't need it. Um, but, uh, but I've met them and I've heard guys who've had great results with them. And that's really a great way to kind of get your foot in the door. Don't say, hey, I'm now the world's largest insurance restoration contractor when you don't know what you're doing. You know, just work locally, you know, take a few jobs in, work diligently on them, communicate, communicate, communicate with those homeowners and uh, and learn it by doing it that way. But do it in your protected space, your protected box where you're not getting yourself in trouble. That's great. And, you know, and I think uh, you've been working with a lot of contractors and what what do you find to be? And it kind of plays right into what you're talking about here is what do you find to be the most common mistakes that are made when someone says, "Okay, I'm getting into insurance roofing? Maybe they're, you know, and they could be brand new to roofing altogether, but they could, a lot of times they're guys who are experienced roofers, maybe have been doing residential retail work for years and just want to branch out or, or scale a little bit. So they decide they're going to go into insurance roofing. And what are some of the pitfalls you find, like some of the mistakes that they make up front? Yeah. I mean, just tagging on to the conversation we just had is really coming in and just saying, I'm going to go for it. <clears throat> and not being prepared. And the problem is, it's not like adding siding to your roofing business. The reason is, is now you're talking about a claim with an adversarial party. So this is someone who, when they pay you a claim dollar, they're losing a claim dollar for their stakeholders, and they're designed to defend you know, these claims, really. So if you're doing things wrong, it's not occurring in a, a black box where if you install the siding wrong, you can come out and fix it. Uh, this is something where you may have some real consequences. So again, that would be the first pitfall I see would be just jumping in and saying, hey, I can do it all. I'll just figure it out, which may work. And especially one of the things that I've loved about working with roofing contractors uh, is that that inventive spirit is like, hey, you know, here's the opportunity. You know, here's what I got. Let's go figure it out. You know, I'll jump in and I'll build, you know, I'll jump out of the plane and get a build a parachute while I'm landing. <laughs> uh, that's something that's very admirable and that I actually, you know, has helped my law practice a lot is dealing with uh, contractors who have this go-getter spirit and this, hey, we'll figure it out, whatever. And that's made me unique as a lawyer. That's very uh, the opposite of what most lawyers are. So I've actually learned a ton from my uh, colleagues in roofing. Uh, but, you know, that would be the first pitfall would be trying to do it all or not learning the laws. You know, you can cause some real, real liability. You know, there's guys in Florida being, you know, RICO suits going against contractors in Florida. And these are people that the insurance company said, you're actually running a criminal enterprise and they're facing serious jail time, incredible financial penalties. And, you know, for me, I would not be able to sleep at night uh, in that situation. And, you know, I think guys get ahead of themselves. They get out over their skis uh, and they just say, hey, I can do it all, I'll figure it out, whatever. And they don't realize that there's actually someone on the opposite end of that claim who's watching their every move. Yeah, that's good advice. <clears throat> Let's talk about, uh, obviously, probably the most prominent tool is Xactimate, right? What are the benefits of using Xactimate? And, you know, I think there's a movement now to kind of go 
not, maybe not away from Xactimate, but just some other options, you know, yeah. uh, speak to Xactimate, your experience with Xactimate a little bit and, you know, what your thoughts are about the product. And, and, uh, you know, I think honestly, from what I've experienced in this industry is that, you know, I think it, it's a great starting point. Like you said, if, if someone's coming in and you don't necessarily know the industry well, Xactimate, uh, you know, can definitely help you along the way, right? Like it's definitely, and it's such a prominent tool, you know? So I guess speak a little bit to like your experience with it and what your thoughts are about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll go a little bit to the nature of uh, where I'm at in the process versus where a contractor's at. Again, sure. you know, every single claim in my office is considered a disputed claim. We don't have any, you know, super lovey-dovey, hey, we sent an estimate and we get the money back. Uh, in Florida, it's just risen to that adversarial level. Uh, you know, even homeowners call our office, we put it together and we let them know, you know, some proportion of our claims will resolve very quickly within, you know, two, three months. But a lot of them, they're going to uh, really look at it adversarial and they're going to draw it out and delay it out. So it's a little different. My position from a general, you know, uh, person, a general roofing contractor helping a homeowner out. Um, generally speaking, uh, again, I, I don't want to hit you too many. It depends. But generally speaking, you know, your insurance policy, most I mean, every insurance policy I've read, none of them have had a requirement that you have to provide an estimate with Xactimate. Um, you know, you just don't. You can use uh, lipstick on a napkin and that can be your estimate legally binding as a contract. If that's your intention, there's rules state by state to what a contract is. But listen, that's your bid. That's your estimate. Uh, it's exactly that an estimate. If that's, that'd be unprofessional, but if that's how you come up with your estimates, <laughs> you could use that. Um, you know, and then as we move more towards itemization, Roofer's got a great product too, with an ice itemized estimate. That is absolutely acceptable to use in your insurance uh, situation. And the same thing, if you have any other number of estimating tools, if you provide homeowners estimates using that tool, generally speaking, there's no reason you could not apply that to an insurance restoration job. Let me now get into uh, what I see as the positive uh, side of Xactimate. Generally speaking, you're dealing with an insurance adjuster. If you're a roofing contract, probably at the field adjuster, desk adjuster level. That is a person who has a stack. I know my brother used to run the claims department for State Farm Auto in New York, for all of New York. So we know where the bodies are buried. We know how to do things. <laughs> Maybe other people haven't privy to that experience. But they have a stack of claims. Let me make sure my hands on the picture. You know, this high on their desk. So, um, you know, the rhetorical question I would ask a roofer is, do you think that that overworked, underpaid insurance adjuster who gets called a jerk every day, you think they're more likely to take the easy exactimate that they understand how to read and put it together and either pay it, pay a portion of it or deny it? Or do you think they're going to take the time to grab your, you know, handwritten estimate the way you do it. And then they're going to understand what each of your line item means, even though it's not consistent language with what they've been trained. And then they're going to say, let me pay way more attention to this one. Let me figure out what that contractor is truly trying to communicate to me. And let me dive in and let me give it the due care that it probably deserves. And, you know, it might take me 45 minutes to read it, but I'm happy to do it. That to me seems extremely unlikely. Uh, you know, so what I what we talk about a lot at, at our firm is square peg, square hole, right? If we can prevent reasons for dispute or reasons for delay, generally speaking, we're going to try to do that. Um, I know that lump sum estimating uh, has been uh, kind of on the forefront in some of these discussion groups. 
Uh, there's no reason you cannot do that legally. You're allowed to do it by the contract. You're allowed to do it. Uh, but in my experience, insurance companies would like to see it as itemized as possible. And listen, they may be setting up because they want to dispute it. Doesn't change the fact that they're not going to dispute your lump sum estimate either. Um, but, you know, to that point, kind of another important disclaimer I want to uh, kind of put out there. And I know my colleague, uh, John Hoteling down in uh, New Orleans has been big on this is, you know, your estimate is exactly that. It's an estimate. Include in that estimate language that it's for a time certain period. We know certainly right now with supply chain constraints, uh, you know, the COVID issues, all of that inflation, material prices are changing. In as much as you can, you want that estimate to protect you as the contractor. And it's exactly that. It's an estimate. It's not a hard contract that the insurance company is signing off on. And then they're sending the money in your building the next day. Uh, you know, you're saying this is the reasonable, customary, legitimate job uh, expenses that I will incur for this job. And it's subject to change if you pay me in eight months. No problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, I, I used to work for a CRM company prior to coming to to roofer and we actually had the ability to set an expiration date when we sent a, a contract specifically for that reason you know we would have language built right into it that said you know hey this contract's only good for 30 days yeah. you know after that if you haven't signed it we have to revisit this because like you said there could be a, a number of factors that potentially have changed yeah. in the course of that time especially yeah. nowadays with how volatile everything is yeah and and pete to that point uh, in as much as if you're running both insurance and retail uh, at least, and I'll speak to Florida, which again is kind of on the forefront of unfortunately uh, adversarial relationships between good contractors helping people and insurance companies. But in as much as you can run your processes the same way you run your retail processes, that's going to keep you out of trouble, right? Because you're legitimately getting paid to build a roof. You're not a claim salesman. You are not a unlicensed adjuster. Hey, listen, we delivered our estimate to the homeowner. The homeowner sent it to you. If you'd like to discuss with me uh, how to rectify two disparate estimates, I'm happy to spend some time doing that with you. I'm not negotiating with you. That would be illegal. Uh, however, if we have some uh, different ideas as to what uh, is required to reconstruct this property the right way, we can have a conversation about that. Again, I'm not negotiating with you. Uh, and if they shut the door on you, they don't have to talk to you at all as a contractor in Florida. You know, it would have to be that they've invited that conversation. Uh, and again, just, you know, in as much as you can make it uh, parallel to your retail operations, that's going to keep you out of trouble. What the insurance companies want in Florida is they want to deal with the homeowner or the homeowner's representative, and they want to work the claim out with that person. And then they want a roofer to come and give them a bid at the end, a retail bid at the end, you know, for whatever amount that is. That's what the insurance companies envision in Florida. And the problem that some people fall into, the trap they fall into in Florida is, you know, they get too deep in that claims process. And although they're not, they had not been currently prosecuting it, it does appear that they're starting to enforce the laws against the people who are running, you know, these unlicensed adjusting or claim sales organizations. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece of advice. And it's funny because I have a a good friend who's a roofer and we've often had conversations about topics like this. And he said something to me a while ago, a couple of years ago that really stuck with me. And that was every roof is a retail roof for the contractor, right? Exactly what you just said, you know? And I think that that's a huge piece of advice. You know, you should treat every job like it's a retail job. 
whether, you know, cause like you said, it's not you against, and I think so many times we have this approach as the contractor that it's us against the insurance company, you know, and we're going to bat for the con, you know, we're going to bat for the customer, but it's mm-hmm. us in the con in the insurance company that are going to battle it out. That's not necessarily the case. Like you said, we should just be delivering our estimate just like any other job. And it's really the homeowner who's filing the claim is the homeowner who has the responsibility to work with the insurance company to figure all that out. Like you said, if you need to get involved a little bit to discuss why, you know, or justify why, uh, you know, your estimate is what it is. That's one thing. But, you know, I think that taking that approach is a much cleaner way. It keeps you out of trouble a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's good advice from your friend. Uh, <clears throat> you know, absolutely. If you're a roofing contractor, you're in the business of, of building roofs. If you're a public adjuster or a lawyer, you're in the business of advocating for homeowners who have disputed claims or presentation claims. And um, certainly there's a lot of money to be made overlapping. You know, if you're a roofer in Florida, there's a lot of money to be made by selling claims, you know, door to door or whatever. Uh, But if you don't do things the right way, you're creating tremendous liability for yourself and your company. So... uh take a little bit of a shift here. I want to talk about all the technology that's come into the roofing industry and how beneficial is it to use some of this technology to, when you give that estimate to that homeowner, have maybe some other information, you know, maybe a a measurement from a company like ours, maybe a, you know, a hail historical hail map or something like that from one of those type of companies, you know, all that stuff seems like it would be great to essentially back up what you're sending in, you know, along with this estimate, you know, so does that stuff help the situation? If I was to give that package to a homeowner and say, Hey, when you send this in, here's some, you know, supporting documents, you know, how, how beneficial is that stuff? I, you know, it's one of the things that we just constantly hark on is documentation, you know, document, 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 paper, those files, communicate well, I mean, that's just generally good business practice. And the suite of tools that we have available as contractors and attorneys today, when I was doing this 10 years ago, when I got started, I'd have to hire a meteorologist on each and every <laughs> individual claim to prove damage. Uh, and then people were hand drawing, uh, sketching and estimating. It was an incredibly different business. And uh, in as much as you can now, uh, you know, use services like Roofer, you can automate those processes uh, or just have that built into your system where you don't have someone full-time drawing estimates. You simply pay, I don't, I don't know what, a couple bucks per shot and you've got a beautiful professional presentation. That's dynamite, you know, I mean, or you, your month or whatever it may be. I mean, that is absolutely dynamite uh, in as much, you know, in, uh, you know, first of all, appearing professional, right, to your end consumer, uh, you know, you've got, you're going up against a couple other bids, but you've got all this professional documentation. Uh, the other thing that we're huge on is that communication and setting expectations. So if you have that beautiful documentation and, you and you know, again, bleeding over into the insurance stuff a little bit, you know, if you explain to the homeowner, hey, this is not, I, you know, other people may have knocked on your door and told you they're the best and they just pay me every time. Well, that's probably not true. Uh, you know, the more uh, professionalism, the more communication, the more you can set expectations, like any relationship or any business transaction, you're going to have a smoother process. You're going to have a happier client and you're going to sleep well at night. You're not going to get a midnight phone call from someone who 
was wildly, uh, uh, you know, their expectations were wildly not met because you've set proper realistic expectations. And, you know, certainly, you know, that like back to your specific question, having a professional package with your professional branding there, your license, all of that. Here's how I got to my numbers. So when you do talk to the insurance adjuster and when they say, I only owe you, you know, we have big claims here in Florida typically, but we'll talk about a shingle roof somewhere, anywhere. Hey, we owe you uh, $12,000 and we're not, we're not paying for, you know, drip edge, you know, whatever it might be. You can say, well, I, you know, this professional contractor came over here. It is, you know, itemized. Why would I not need that? Uh, and it changes that discussion and it changes it from insurance, big, bad insurance, or excuse me, friendly insurance company where, you know, Mrs. Smith says, oh, I've been, I play golf with the agent and oh, they're so lovely. And you're the bad guy because you're telling him something that uh, doesn't mesh. It changes it from, hey, listen, maybe that insurance company doesn't always have your best interest in mind. Very good. Yeah. So uh, to kind of take a turn a little bit, like you said early on, I think even before we started this, that you're starting to work more and more because of the laws in Florida with the homeowner itself. So let's talk about from a homeowner standpoint, how do I come to the table prepared, right? Like, let's say I've had a storm, I've got damage to my roof. You know, what are some things that I want to know to protect myself as a homeowner, to make a smart decision on my roofer, you know, to, to really streamline that process. What is my expectation? How long is that process going to take even, you know, like you said, kind of setting that expectation ahead of time, you know, what, what should I know as a, as a homeowner? You know, Pete, I'm going to have to hit you with a big, it depends, of course. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that I'll, is a big, it depends. For purposes right? of this discussion, I'm going to uh, dive <laughs> in the best I can. Um, generally speaking, uh, you know, when you hire my law firm, we're going to handle everything. And that's part of the value proposition is you could be, you know, a little doe in the forest. It doesn't matter. You're handing it off to a uh, talented team that has specific relevant experience, thousands of times going against these carriers in Florida. Uh, we're going to approach it amicably first, of course. We're not rattling our saber off the bat. Any lawyer who says that is an ineffective lawyer, frankly. Uh, you know, that's one of the old, uh, you know, tr tricks for some of these, you know, not as experienced lawyers. Oh, I'm so aggressive. Well, that's not actually getting claims resolved. It's really about relationships and it's about professionalism and uh, treating each other with respect. But um, back to, you know, the homeowner point, um, you know, what we want to do, and again, speaking to my law firm, is we want to set reasonable expectations that we can meet or exceed. Now, what happens is um, it's impossible to teach, and I mean this in the nicest way, to teach a non-lawyer Everything that I've learned in my, you know, I have other professional degrees. I have an MBA, went to law school for three years. I took the New York bar, the Florida bar. I've been doing this for 10 years. Even the most experienced, you know, restoration roofing companies, they come into this and they say, oh, this is how most claims go. I know everything. It's just not the case. Um, unfortunately, people want to believe that you, it's like a vending machine. You put in a dollar, you get a Coke. That is not how this works at all. Um, there are so many different factors that we can't even explain in some cases to people who don't have the same understanding, or it would just take weeks to educate to the point where you'd have an equal understanding. Uh, so, you know, uh, to that point, we want to set expectations that we can meet or exceed. And we're going to push those out to somewhere where we're comfortable. We're going to resolve 80% of the claims, you know, at least by that time, because we want happy clients with expectations that are met. So that's how we run our business. And what I would suggest likewise to a roofing contractor, um, now if you're just getting involved in restoration, again, you may wanna outsource that portion 
to that professional claims handler. Once you have enough experience to understand what your process are, generally how long things take is the same thing like the estimate. I'm not going to tell you this is exactly everything. I'm not going to say, I'm going to have this done in three and a half weeks. What I'm going to say is, generally speaking, we're resolving these claims uh, between two months and six months, maybe eight months. If the insurance companies are busy, we have trouble getting them to communicate. That being said, uh, it might happen earlier, and I sure hope it does, but there's a, a significant chance that it may go outside of that, and we may need to bring in an additional professional to assist with this matter. They would represent you. You know, I've got great partnerships. If it comes to that, I've got great people we can work with, you know, but I'm going to give it a best shot here first. And generally speaking, we're able to, to hit these marks. Uh, but setting those proper expectations, um, you know, obviously, maybe if you're selling door to door, people are incentivized to uh, sell with bravado and gust. Oh, my gosh, we're the best. And uh, we're just knocking these out. Oh, you have security for Oh my God, they pay us every time. Um, that may work to get ink on a, uh, ink on a page, uh, but that is going to be a nightmare for you and that client, right? Because they don't know what to expect. They don't want to be upset at you. They want things to go well. And if you don't set expectations that you can realistically meet, uh, then you're going to, you're not going to see eye to eye and you're going to have a dispute, not just with the insurance carrier, but also your client. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, Nick and I do a, a webinar series, for roofer. And we talk often about the transparency piece of it, you know, and being transparent with the customer and how far that goes, right. For your credibility, for just like the ease of the job, you know, it, you know, keeping yeah. them in the loop, making sure that they have, uh, you know, a, an education piece to it, you know, and they understand the process, they understand what's going to happen, you know, what the expectation is, is so crucial to having a smooth process you know, for you as the contractor and, and for the homeowner as well, you know, like the, obviously the homeowner wants to know what's going on. You know, I think so many times we've, you know, you, you deal with contractors that are, uh, I know we've had experiences where, you know, the the customer doesn't even know when the contractor is coming to do the work. And that's on the retail side. That's not even on the insurance side where there's all these other factors coming into play, you know? So I think that's such a big piece of it uh, that you mentioned there is like being, upfront, setting a, a reasonable expectation that you can meet, right? Obviously things are going to happen. And, but I think that when those things happen, if you've set that reasonable expectation and you communicate with them, it's going to go a lot smoother than if you didn't. Right. So, you know, Pete, um, Pete, you're a wise man. That's just good life advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, well, you know, I think it's from home. experience, you know, <laughs> at home, that'll help you with everything you do. Exactly. Yeah, you know, but another thing I'll tag on that was very well said and you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you with all of that. The only other thing I'll just add on to that uh, is the communication piece. The only time I see people upset when I'm working with a homeowner who also has a contractor involved, the only people who are truly ex upset, and granted, you're going to have a couple of jerks you know, if you deal with enough people, but the only people who are upset is it's always dr driven by a lack of communication. And, oh, I haven't heard from anyone in eight weeks or, oh, I haven't heard in longer than that. Uh, and especially if people are, and I'm not, not for purpose of this conversation, but if you're working with assignments of benefit and you're taking over that person's insurance claim and they don't hear from you for six months, they're calling in Florida, the DBPR, and they're complaining to the state attorney general, hey, this guy took my stuff and I can't even get a hold of it. So, um, you know, there's some uh, good advice that I often share is your success is directly related to how many uncomfortable conversations you have, right? Or are willing to have. <laughs> 
And sometimes you get up and you just eat the frog in the morning. You know, that's the worst thing that'll happen all day is you call that irate homeowner. And, you know, generally speaking, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be anyways. Just pick up the phone, call them, let them know why there's a delay, why there's a problem, why you haven't been able to meet whatever expectations that were set. Um, And then the secret is if you want them to not only just stop being upset at you, call them again the next week or a couple days later and let them know the next step you took and let them know you're committed to better communication moving forward. Um, You know, one of the things that we learned early on uh, at our law firm, and of course, here in Florida, when you have a hurricane, it's all hands on deck. Uh, You know, we get a huge flood of claims in, which of course is not our normal everyday volume. So we have to scale up all of our departments. And obviously, again, it's not a vending machine. You put in a dollar, you get out a Coke, uh, although people sometimes expect it to work that way. So one of the things that we did was we built in secondary communication systems. Uh, I've got a great uh, tech team. We send out a monthly uh, newsletter that says, click here for an update. Click here. Someone's going to reach out to you. That's in addition to their attorney talking to them. And that's in addition to a full-time client concierge that just has an inbound phone call. If you need to talk to someone at the law firm, obviously lawyers are busy. We're in depositions. We're we're at court. We're in trial, whatever it may be. We can't drop everything to say, hey, Mrs. Smith, we submitted your estimate uh, in a demand package three weeks ago. We can't drop everything for that. Um, But what we can do is build smart systems to still provide communication that's not only adequate, but hopefully exceeds their expectations. And then they're very happy with us. And then they're saying how great the contractor was and we're all getting referrals and we're able to help as many people as possible. Yeah, I love that advice because I think it it relates to how contractors do business so well. You know, I think that so many of these guys, you know, get in a situation where maybe one or two people at the entire company really know what's going on, right? And so you don't have that situation where uh, as a customer, I can just call the office and someone's like, oh yeah, let me look up your, Mm -hmm. you know, your job and see what's going on with it. You know, so I think, you know, employing some technology where you can have that organization and have everyone be, you know, privy to what's going on with any given customer situation is a huge piece of it, you know, and not having to worry about like, Hey, you know, I've got that one rep that sold me this thing and I can't get in touch with him now because he's busy or he's on vacation. Like I should be able to call anybody in that company and find out what the status of things is. And uh, I think that's great advice. It, you know, it plays well to the, to the contractor side of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what I've seen, you know, it's uh, sales is sexy, right? Hey, we want to get more sales guys in. We want to do this. We want to do that. And what I see a lot of times kind of an early growing um, misstep, we'll call I don't want to call it a mistake, but a misstep is sometimes, you know, you outkick your coverage on what you can provide. Um, And I don't mean just in terms of actually building roofs, but I mean, in terms of servicing those clients in a way that they're not going to be super disappointed, angry, leaving bad reviews and all of that stuff. Uh, also too, you know, the easiest way to grow in the restoration space is to hire a bunch of sales guys and just let them go. And they're each their own unit. The problem is you're going to have a lot of trouble, uh, servicing those clients the right way in a way that you as the business owner, as the contractor, license holder, whatever it may be, uh, that you would be, you know, hopefully proud of, but at least satisfaction level is, you know, meeting expectations. Um, you know, and that's where maybe some of the tools like uh, with Roofer come in and some of the other great te- technology products we have now is you can scale up some other parts of your business 
using simple, easy technology and also too a variable cost, right? We have a hundred uh, roofs in, we pay for a hundred reports. We don't have to have a huge staff because next month we may only have 40. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, to that point, there's a, you know, a, a guy in this industry who's a consultant. We actually, I had him on another podcast. And one of the things that he said to me a long time ago, when I worked on the CRM side is that these guys should really focus streamline and focus on organizing your production first and work backwards. And I think so many times we do it the other way around. Just like you said, we throw a ton of salespeople at it, you know, Hey, we're going to make tons of money. We got tons of guys out there running appointments. And then you end up with a situation where all these guys have run these appointments and now you, you got this log jam where they can't, you know, you can't service these people or, and it could be as simple as not being able to communicate with them effectively. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's good advice. Um, you know, and it's kind of like we talked about if someone's a retail contractor wanting to get into restoration, you know, maybe talk to these consultants or whoever it is, build out those processes, learn the process, learn what's required at each step, and then start to scale it. Don't just run in and, and you know, get big eyes with, oh, I can make so much money. You can, but do it the right way. Build the process first, build a, a solid, legal, repeatable process and then you can begin to scale that and you're going to be happier. You're not going to get phone calls at home that, you know, this happened, that happened. I mean, it's uh, I've seen it so many times and, you know, I really do. I have great relationships with a ton of roofing contractors. I found this niche kind of on a whim. I was doing uh, catastrophic injury claims. I've uh, been in federal court trials, all that stuff. And I kind of found this cool niche and I really bonded with a couple guys early on. I was like, this is so cool. I can help a homeowner get literally a new roof over their head. I can help a contractor provide for his family and then grow uh, and help other people. It, and it's a win, win, win. Uh, it really is when it's done correctly, um, you know, without the corner cutting, without the greed and people saying, oh, that's a law, but they're not enforcing it. Uh, you know, that's not how I do business. That's not how I would advise anyone to do business. Uh, but if you do this the right way, it is a tremendous way uh, to provide for yourself, your family, to do good in the world uh, and to have a lot of fun around along the way. You work with people you like, you trust, you communicate well with. It should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I so I really appreciate your, your time today, Dan. I think absolutely. a lot of really great insight uh, here. You know, I think this is always a topic that you know, can be controversial and everybody has very strong opinions about the insurance side of the business. I mean, I remember three, four years ago when I got into this, people said, all oh, insurance roofing is a fad. It's just going to fade out. <laughs> you know, and it, there won't even, there won't even be insurance roofing down the road. And now you look at how big that industry has become and uh, you know, how prevalent it is as a piece, you know, of the roofing industry itself, uh, how it's really become its own industry in, in itself, uh, separate of all the other ones even. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that some really, really great insight today uh, from you on, you know, just what to what to do as a, as a, someone who's thinking about getting into it or who's already in it, you know, and, and making sure you're protecting yourself, making sure that you're doing things the ethical way, the right way, uh, and that you're covering yourself. You know, you're not backing yourself into a corner or creating an issue for yourself down the line. Yeah, if you want to build a great business, um, you know, you can't build it on a weak foundation or an illegal or criminal foundation. It's just it might work for a little while. It might work for a long while. But ultimately, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with very sophisticated, multi-billion dollar companies on the receiving end of fraudulent estimates. Right. You're, oh, I need two porta potties for, you know, an up and over roof. You know, they're going to find this stuff out. If they see a pattern, 
they know who you are, right? These, they, they have hundreds of millions of billions at stake here, uh, you know, to take on that extraordinary risk. It doesn't make sense to me. It might take a little longer to do things the right way, but there's a reason they call it the right way. Um, and uh, Pete, I see we're wrapping up here. So I, I certainly appreciate the chance to have a nice chat with you. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, super pumped about helping roofing contractors from, you know, single guys getting into the business, young guys trying to get in sales all the way up. I have, you know, hundred million plus a year companies that I advise. So I'm very happy to make time for anyone who wants to have a follow-up conversation. Certainly here in Florida or New York, I can provide good direct advice. I've helped companies build processes to scale up to hundred million dollar marks. A lot of the, you know, kind of names that you'll see. Uh, household names in our industry. You know, I've, I was uh, fortunate to be involved in their early growth stages and helping them set up processes. Um, you know, so I'm very happy to share time with any of uh, roofer clients or, or anyone out there who just wants to learn to do things the right way and are committed to do that. Uh, I'm happy to bring it for you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because I think, you know, at some point, uh, you know, even if you consider yourself a great businessman, you know, I think at some point it really helps to have someone like yourself who's been through it, who's got that experience to just give some insight and, and give some direction, you know, to, to kind of help things along. Like we always say, you know, uh, at Roofer, the staff at Roofer, you know, you got to remember we're talking to tens of Roofer, you know, a day, hundreds of Roofers a week you know, uh, thousands of roofers a year, like take advantage of us. And you're in the same situation, you know, like you're dealing with this situation thousands of times a year, you know, your insight is invaluable. Whereas as a contractor, I'm only seeing my piece of it, you know, my side of it, you know, you're seeing it from every angle and, and, and that gives you a very unique perspective to be able to guide these guys and, and give, you know, some really great direction. Yeah, I appreciate it, Pete. And I'm always happy to do that. That's uh, part of what drew me to the industry. And also, you know, I have a longstanding relationship with uh, Richie, Nick, Kevin, you know, the whole gang over at Roofer. And it was kind of that was the mindset is let's help as much as we can and we'll have some fun and make some money along the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really, really appreciate your time and uh, I appreciate Absolutely. you jumping on. Lots of great stuff here. And, uh, you know, be sure to join us uh, every other Tuesday. We release a new podcast here at the Roofer Report. So uh, hopefully we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you, Dan. Great. Thanks again, Pete.